What is your brand? What is it that you stand for? Because that's really what you're bringing out and being like, hey, I want you to come to me for what? And so what is that? What is that that makes you different that people are going to be attracted to that are going to be like, hey, I'm curious about you. I wonder, I want to learn from you. From Seven CTOs, my name is Etienne De Bruin, and you're in the CTO studio. Today we talk about harvesting the fruits from a strong professional network. If you spend a ton of time cultivating your network, how are you leveraging that work in your current role? You might be surprised at the different ways our guests today tap into their networks. Joining me in the CTO studio today is Aaron Fasaro, who is the VP Engineering at Chippecash. Wayne Haber is a Director of Engineering at GitLab. And Brent Thurmiot is the Director of Software at Radical. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the CTO studio. We have Aaron, Brent, Wayne joining Brit and I. Can we have a quick round of intros? 30 seconds, your name, your company, your role, what problem are you solving for whom? And we'll get straight into this. Aaron. Sure. Hi, I'm Aaron Fazzaro. I'm VP of Engineering at Chipper Cash. We're a fintech. We're global. The problem I'm solving for the company, I guess I'm just helping us grow and scale and mature as an engineering organization and helping the whole company just sort of figure out how to grow sustainably. Love it. So I'm Wayne Haber, also based in Atlanta, and I'm a, a director of engineering at GitLab, focusing on uh, security and growth and machine learning, applying those things to the GitLab product, which is the one DevOps platform. And it's a lot of fun doing that, making sure our customers can scan their code for security issues and we can grow revenue via growth experiments and growth hacking and also apply machine learning to make teams customers more efficient. Love it. Awesome. Happy to be here. My name is Brent. I'm the managing director of software and technology for a company called Radical. Our purpose is to help people find the balance between people, planet, and profit, specifically around inventorying and reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. Wow. I love that. Great. So we're in discussions lately about the role of CTO, technical executive, I mean, always talking about that. The one that we're focusing on right now is, you know, we have the technical stuff, we have the leadership stuff, but we also have this network thing, the health of our network, the reach of our networks. I, of course, talk to thousands of CTOs and whenever I introduce CTOs to founders or founders to CTOs or CEOs, I am always struck by the candidate CTO who has a strong network. So you're not just bringing your own technical and leadership prowess, but you're bringing all the people you know, all the people that you have influence over. And that's the thing we want to dig into a little bit today, which I know all three of you fully understand the value of that and can speak to that. And so for today, Britt, I believe we want to focus a little more on who are you bringing to the table when you sit at the table, right? So we want to raise awareness around, it's not just me, but it's who I represent 
when I come to the table. So an easy one for me is, you know, I represent seven CTOs and hundreds of CTOs. So I have a huge network I can tap into to provide value to people that look to me for technical leadership. So that's what we want to deconstruct a little bit, learn from the three of you as to how you go about this and how you see this specific aspect of technology leadership excellence. Does that sound right, Britt? Yeah, that sounds right. And as a place to start, before we get into what you all do or how to actually create that, I would just love to hear all of your thoughts on you don't just hire a CTO, you hire their network. So let's start there. Yeah, I would agree. It's the the people you surround yourselves with that really help you succeed in general. And I, I bounce ideas off of my network all the time, both people I've worked with in the past or interacted with vendor, people at vendors I've worked with, or just people I've met over time, and also just the general public on social media to bounce ideas off of them. And I'm always very pleased with uh, the feedback I get and the ideas I get. They come up with ideas I would have never thought of. I don't always take them, but they're always great ideas to consider. I love that idea of the ability to bounce ideas off of people and off of your network. Essentially, why I created 7CTO is because I was worried that I was pontificating to my leadership team all kinds of technical solutions and directions without a trusted soundboard. So I love what you said there, Wayne. Brent? Yeah, building upon that, like you always need that sober second thought. You're trying to determine if the strategy and the direction is aligned with maybe in which many different organizations are moving, best practices are evolving. You can take it a step further as well, too, when you start looking into having within your network managers and directors and not just direct crafting people. They can bring an even larger impact to what you can do because you've built up a lot of trust and empathy and you know how to work with your network so that when you move to a different place, you're able to immediately enter at a high level of trust and not need to build that relationship or build that network again. Love it. Erin? Yeah, I echo all of that. I think one of the benefits to coming with a network is that even the most accomplished CTO within your organization, you can have certain trusted advisors within your organization, but there's always a power imbalance. And so having people outside that you have trust with, that you've worked with, but also are not afraid to hold you accountable to maybe challenge you a little more directly because there is no power imbalance there, whether it's perceived or actual, there's no ramifications for them being extremely candid with you. I like that sort of check and balance that, especially when you come into a new organization where you may have an existing team that you're still building the relationship with, and it's going to take time for them to feel that safe to be that candid with you. And so having someone to bounce things off of and actually on top of like sort of the technical expertise, but also the, I would take this this way. So maybe that's not a great messaging, or this is how I would approach it with these people. That's also deeply valuable to just make sure that you're covering your bases. That's such a good and powerful point, because I think when people hear you don't just hire a CTO, you hire their network, or even the question, who are you bringing to the table? 
I think the brain automatically thinks, who are you bringing that's also going to be valuable? But what I just heard you all say is that who you are bringing makes you more valuable in that you are getting your needs met to make sure you're getting some feedback that's totally objective or allowing yourself to really be authentic in a way that you can't at the organization. It's really great points. And I'm curious, how do you know that the network you have is the network you need to have? I'm very particular about my network. So it's funny, like I didn't go about intending to create it this way, but every time I grew in my career from the very beginning, I kept in touch with people because I genuinely cared about them. And the people I kept in touch with were the folks that were good. They were really great at their job. They were high performers. They were also genuinely good people. And so those are the relationships that we sort of both would cultivate the relationship between each other and that over time grew and grew. And now when I look at it, the people that are still a part of that network that haven't sort of moved out or disappeared or fell off the radar are the same folks that are just as interested as remaining fresh and important and knowledgeable. And they're just as invested as I am because essentially I'm part of their network as well. And like, it's almost like a crowdsourcing mentorship. The way I look at my network is I look at how people act when they don't need me and then to see if I'm, how I'm going to interact with them when they come to me later. So if there's people I've worked with in the past that, or just networked with in the past, and I only hear from them when they need something, that might be okay, but generally isn't. So I look at that to make sure it's a, it's a two-way relationship. And I try to provide value to the people I'm networking with as well as interesting articles or just things I thought they might be interested in and send it their way and see if they do the same. But if I only hear from somebody when they need a job and I haven't heard from them in five years, that's not somebody I necessarily want to network with because that's too one-sided. way in which I look at how I evaluate my network is how does this help me have a bigger impact? How does this help me achieve my purpose? So is that through a bi-directional relationship where they're enabling me with information and I'm enabling them with more information and there's a greater output, but essentially that impact can be measured a ton of different ways. But my network is designed to help me have a greater impact and hopefully they can also have a greater impact in what they're trying to achieve as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm considering, Wayne, the point you made sort of convicted me a little bit because I just did that last night. I needed something from somebody. I hadn't spoken to them in a while. So I sent the, hey, so how are you, little message. With the pretense that I'm going to, when they respond to me, I'm going to ask them the question that I actually wanted to ask them. So I feel myself convicted in the sense that I didn't really care much about them. Now I care very much about them because I need something from them. Jill, if you're listening, I apologize. I think it's okay to do. They've just being transparent and acknowledging it. It's like, I haven't talked to you in a while. Like I did something similar. There's a CEO of a company that a previous company I worked at acquired, and he left about a month after they were acquired. And I actually had great conversations with him before he left, and I hadn't talked to him in 10 years. And I reached out to him for some networking. He's like, he asked me, Wayne, have we actually spoken before? He totally forgot, which is fine. He was very gracious. And we actually had some great conversations. And I asked him what I could do for him. And it turns out he was looking for hiring a senior leader. And I was able to refer some people to him. So I think being transparent about it helps and saying, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help. Sorry we haven't talked in a while. And 
just putting it out there and see how it's received. So that's a very important point. So you can all help me because I take this stuff very personally. So someone reaches out to me, they know I have a network, you know, the dreaded intro, the zero opt-in intro, right? Like, oh, I met this person at the thing last night. And then you know that they're cashing in some of their chips to make themselves look good by introducing them to you because, you know, Wayne, you work at GitLab or Aaron, you're a chipper cash. And, oh, I know the so-and-so of the so-and-so. And I find that I can either overthink the connection or I can just bounce it. Like I can just not take it too seriously and just assume the best and just bounce. And I'm wondering how you feel about it. When you're nurturing that network and you are the victim of someone else's introduction or someone else leveraging their relationship with you, I tend to either overthink it and get all pissy about it, or my antidote to that is to put zero thought into it bounce the value back, whatever, like, oh, yes, I'm happy to meet or I'm happy to introduce you to so-and-so. But how do you handle sort of the inevitable waste that comes with these networks? It's really fascinating to me to hear how everyone else talks about their network and how I have grown one is very different. And how I think about it is very different. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's very different from what hearing everyone else talk. You've got a network that you are like cultivating, like you went in, you planted seeds and it's the outcome desired was I'm going to network with this person because they can do something for me and I will give them the sort of care and feeding for that mutual outcome. And I think my network has been more organic in the way it is developed over time. And the people that get the care and feeding are the ones that also provide the same back to me. But it's not in a like, I want the outcome to be, you are beneficial to me in some way. It's been, we genuinely were invested in each other's career at some point and we still talk. So I don't have a lot of cases where I have people like name drop me. And then they come and blindside me because I have, for the people that are in my network, it's a constant sort of feedback loop where I'm so close with those people that I don't really get sort of the, the sort of the opportunistic, I'm going to cash in those chips because those people that I'm working with in that sort of network would be like, I wouldn't do that to Aaron. That's terrible. It struck me as very different in how it's sort of being architected where it the outcomes were very different or the objectives were very different maybe. So I don't have that a ton. It's so interesting listening to everyone share being not a part of the tech community or industry. Like I am in that I bring the humanity and leadership aspect of it. This conversation is powerful because we're talking about the very human aspect of relationships and relationship building that's so necessary to move through director, VP, CTO, right? Like we know that that's the places where you start really gaining those skills. And it is really interesting just to note hearing the different comments, some inside of a transaction-based relationship or more of a natural-based relationship. And I also can't step over the masculine and the feminine of that and like what, how that happens and where we're headed. And it sounds like Part of what is really clear in our seven CTOs community is that relationship building is everything. And if it is 
from transaction, it can only go so far. It's very limited. And it sounds like what Aaron has shared and what we're getting to is that really being connected to your intention around network and connections and relationships will foster what you create. It's something that I've I've shared on LinkedIn before, and I'm very candid about when I go to different companies and help different companies that my network always wins. So I've accumulated this credibility and this brand. And for better or worse, there's a lot of people that follow me. And I like a lot of people that opt in because they know if I go here and Aaron's in charge, this is the brand of leadership I can expect. And that tends to draw people over more than once in many cases. And But that network is such a big part of my value as a leader that I have to trust when I join your company, when I allow people from my network to join the company with me and how it's essentially me trusting the company to do right because now I'm also responsible and have something to lose because I've brought these people that trust me and I'm trusting you to bring my network here. And my network supersedes any job I have because it is continuous across my career where I may work for a company for a period of time. And that is how I tend to look at it, is this is something that goes across my career. And the focus is about building that network and those strong relationships and the roles that I may take may be different across my career, but the network just continues to build. I love what you said about the known entity. I think a healthy network creates knowns and predictability or removes uncertainty. And that when you're an exec, often I'm brought in and they're like, everyone talks about onboarding and how great long onboarding, it's a year before a software engineer actually adds value, whatever the the thing is. When you're an executive, no one's given you a year to apply value. No one's giving you even 90 days. Usually you've got a very short amount of time to make impact. And it is way easier if you've brought in certain people that you do not have to rebuild from, from one, from ground level, because you already have that rapport, you have that trust, and you can immediately get to solving some of the problems. And you can't do that across the board, but if you can bring in some of those people you get some momentum early on that otherwise you kind of have to start from scratch and you're limited in what you can achieve in a short amount of time. On hiring people in your own network, I think it's a great idea. I've done that often and continue to. I'm also, just jumps out at me, keep in mind that the people that you didn't work with in the past that are on your teams may feel that they're second-class citizens to the people you have that one has worked with before. So I try to keep a really close eye on that and not have any perception of favoritism or on assignments or things like that. So I think it's great to hire people you know and people who know people you know. But I always keep track of that as well. I think that's that's important to do. What do you think about all this, Brent? It's really interesting. Like we started with the question about dealing with those cold intros for someone you haven't heard in a long time before. I often will take those kind of intros I really try and organically build that network with a lot of empathy. You know, if somebody's giving me an intro, they obviously have some sort of reason because I have a lot of empathetic connection with them that this person is either looking for a job or they're looking to the next move in a career or they're looking to have a greater impact. And then all of the cost of delay challenges that are talked about 
bringing in your network is just incredible. The amount of traction you can build with inside an organization when you bring in people that you have all of that path forward with. So you can look back and be like, remember back at company Acme, we did this. This is very similar. Let's do that again. And that's just huge value to everybody involved in the organization from the people that may be able to experience someone else from your network to gain their skills, as well as your deliverables you have to your direct reports. So would that be a healthy benchmark then to ask ourselves, how likely am I to attract people from my network to join me at my next gig? Is that a good way to measure the health of your network? I think it's one way to measure whether or not people will follow you is an indicator of a number of things how well supported they've felt by you in the past, how much they trust your, you know, your decision-making and your judgment. I think it depends. It's certainly not the only thing. I've worked with folks just recently. He's a principal engineer at Puppet Labs. And Ethan Bauer is one of the first people in tech I worked with in my career. And we've never worked with each other again. He's at Puppet. I've been everywhere else. But we met again to chat and he asked me for some advice. And I repeated something he had told me decades ago in how I approached things in my career. And he was like, oh my gosh, like you had impact on my career as well. And so we've never worked again together and we may never work again together, but we're still very influential in each other's careers. So I don't think it's the only indicator, but you know, when you have a lot of people that can vouch for you or are willing to take time out of their day or use their chips, essentially using their network capital or their social capital to help you, that you have to put some in to ever want to withdraw. It reminds me of those, in terms of keeping those relationships strong and with the people you want to keep those relationships strong, is watching what you say publicly. Like I had a contact that I worked with that was not somebody I'd recommend. And they repeatedly asked me for a LinkedIn recommendation. And I knew they were looking for a job. And I felt really bad. And I said, I'm willing to be a private reference for you, but here's what I'm going to say. Here's the positive and negative. I'm not going to put it out there publicly because I know that they had a bad reputation. And this is a person that was willing to do things for me as well, which is just a great human being, just not a great person to work with. So I was really wanted to do more to help him. But at the same time, I didn't want to overdo it and not give him that constructive feedback either. So you know, watching out for things like that as well as, you know, don't be the nice person just to be the nice person because it may hurt your own credibility. My sort of screening test, like I have a lot of what I would consider like extended network where like I know someone through someone or I know someone sort of on the surface. But if you're not part of what I consider my network, if I would not hire you as if I were CEO. So that's my screen. Would I hire you? Would I want you at this company? Then that's sort of the barometer for me that I would want to hire you in. Then it's a no-brainer for me where I can say, yes, I recommend this person, absolutely. But if I couldn't say that, then sure, you might be an acquaintance. I might be kind and will help you out a little bit, but I'm not going to put my name behind it. Because again, as, a, as an exec at some point, your brand is everything. So the idea of that I want to bring to the listener today is how can I know whether my network is healthy? How can I bring people to the table from my network in order to 
bring people from my network. I need to nurture my network. Like I love what was just discussed around Aaron saying, hey, would I actually hire this person as a CEO of a, my own company? Or Wayne saying, hey, not everyone's necessarily good for every position and understanding all these things. I'd love for those listening to this to be able to say, okay, listening to this group of people, I get the sense that my network isn't where it should be. I'd like to upgrade it and start working on expanding it so that, for instance, I could hire from it or I can bring people with me. How should people listening to this look at their networks in order to determine if they are indeed healthy or if they're on in the ICU and needs, need some serious help? Maybe one of the easiest things that you can look at is last quarter, last two quarters, last year of staff that you have onboarded to your organization. How many of those people have come from your network? Is it zero? That's obviously maybe something that tells you very much a way that you're sitting in an ICU position. Or have you brought in 50% of your hires through your network? And what is that balance? So is your network providing that type of staffing? That's one kind of way of measuring it. I love that. So sort of a bit of a vanity number, but also one that could help you understand if it's even happening at all. Is it zero or is it at least one plus? I love what Wayne said earlier about, hey, it's not just when I need something from my network, but how are they treating me? Are they reaching out to me when they don't need something? I, I love that one. And I'd add to that, what is their reputation, both personal interactions and also publicly? There have been some great folks I've worked with that have gotten really political on social media. And I may or may not agree with them, but that's, I think, too polarizing for my professional network as an example. I keep an eye on that as well, and we'll start to pull back from people who do that after giving them some feedback. There's more than just politics, but you know, other things where I'll keep an eye on that to separate out my professional network from a personal network. And I'm still friends with those people personally, even if I don't agree with them, but I separate them on a professional level. Got it. Another maybe metric you can use is how often are you reaching out to that network? Like we talked at the start of the podcast around value that a network can bring. How many times have you gone out to your network to get an opinion on something? Mm. If you're continuing to operate in that vacuum, is that network really delivering you the value that it could be? So very simple, like small things that you can all add up to maybe get an idea of what value your network's adding. Just on that point, I remember about two years ago, I had a very big conundrum in a role as CTO and I did reach out to my network, close network, to basically inform them, hey, I, I think I'm going to quit this post. What do you think? And then I ran everything by them. And the thing that struck me was it's hard work to reach out to your person. Sometimes it takes an hour to explain the full context of the situation you're in. But the network doesn't mean they can read your mind. A network means that you know if you call them, they're going to take the hour out of their day to potentially process the issues with you. But it still requires that reciprocal work from your end to describe the situation that you're in, which could be exhausting. The constant reaching out, it's an optimization problem at that point. And one of the ways I've made it easier on me, certainly as my network has grown, it's sort of like death by a thousand cuts as you try to maintain relationships and how have I reached out to people recently? and so I've gone about it in sort of, I have a personal Slack and that Slack group, 
everyone that's been part of that sort of core network, I add to there. I have conversations, but now it's also like the double benefit is that my network is now expanding their network as well. So I might have a relationship with someone that now has the opportunity to network with and talk to people from other companies that they've never overlapped with. But because they're in my network, they're now getting sort of the expansive value of my own. And that helps in that they're now finding value in being connected to me. And I'm getting value by being able to talk to people in groups. And I am reducing the amount of individual siloed effort by having a conversation with everybody about stuff. So I'm reaching out and talking to them. We're sharing pictures of our kids or animals and stuff, or asking questions about weird stuff that's happening in tech. And have you ever used this particular technology before? I have everything from other people managers that are in there to my principal and staff engineers that I've managed in the past. It's a really great and efficient way to sort of get folks together and everybody benefits from it. That is such an awesome idea, Aaron. I'm going to do that on Monday. I wish I would have had the idea, but I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you had the idea and passed it on to us because I think it's phenomenal. It's very similar to seven CTOs in that way. So certainly not innovation on my part. I think a lot of folks have understood the value of group discussion and sort of being able to leverage each other as like sounding pads. But yeah, it's been huge for me and it's active, which is what I was first worried about. Is this just going to be like silent and I'm going to have this one Slack channel where no one talks, but it's lively and everyone talks all the time. And I have people that I worked with decades ago with people I just started working with now having conversations with each other. And as a leader, that's really exciting because I get to see growth even after I've left many of their careers. I'm not their boss anymore, but I get to see them grow and still follow on the sidelines. I think it's such a great point that's being made that whether you're already in Aaron's Slack channel, and if you are, you must be a really special person (laughs) or you're in our seven CTOs community. It's are you actually bringing what you want to see in that community? Are you asking the questions? Are you posting pictures, right? So some people might think, oh, I'm not on a Slack channel like Aaron's. Well, what are you on that you're not actually utilizing that has a lot of voices there that you can start utilizing? And from this conversation, think about, well, what am I missing in my network? And thus, where should I bring that inquiry? Maybe it's already somewhere that I'm at and I just don't realize it. And the other thing I I hear, none none of you have used this word, but what I hear is really critical to a network is the level of intimacy. Are you actually bringing your most vulnerable self so you can get your most vulnerable needs met? Are you really clear on who you can help so that they can be a part of who you're bringing value to? And that the connection, the intimacy of the community really does foster how healthy your network is. Absolutely agree. I mean, I've gone to my this group and been like, I had a really, really, really rough week and I feel like crap and I feel like a terrible leader and I feel like I don't belong in this role. And it's nice to have a group of people I can be that raw with. And then they are like, are you kidding me? And then they will build me back up so I can go back out and fight the good fight again. And wherever you get that, that community, that's really what it is. It's bringing your community with you for your career and building on that. And you can get that from the forums or you can get that 
in your own life as well. It's got to be amazing to see people from different parts of your life connect. I hired my very, very first direct report in my career. She is now, many years later, a manager on my analytics team. And it's so weird, especially for her to see me from being like baby manager to where I am now. You just get to see growth and they get to see growth in you too. Very good. Anything else, Britt? Yeah, I just want to ask one last thing. You know, of course, we know LinkedIn, we of course know going to conferences, but is there any place somebody would offer, like Aaron offered, hey, maybe create your own Slack channel? Are there any other things that people would share? Hey, this has actually been really valuable for me in finding my network. It is keep an eye on what people are good at and interested in and just ask them. For when you're doing something similar. Example I did recently is I put together a video to update my teams on a working group and GitLab is uber, uber transparent. So I could actually make that public. And I know Etienne puts out a lot of videos and a number of other people on my network. So I posted it on publicly on LinkedIn, asked for feedback and Etienne ripped it to shreds as appropriate. And as did others, I got a lot of great feedback on it to improve you know, it's about, as you mentioned, Brittany, you know, being transparent, but knowing what people are interested in and then tagging them in things and reaching out to them to get feedback on those or get ideas. That's great. Thanks. Early on in, in that type of approach where you're kind of doing that content first marketing, that's going to be all about you and, and taking the time to go out there and solicit that feedback. You're not going to have a ton of success just if you're just building your network and you're just putting one thing up and hoping people will come. You're going to have to be really active in soliciting that feedback and reaching out to those people. And that may be uncomfortable because you're going to be talking about doing something you haven't done before or engaging with somebody at a level in which you normally don't. So I think that's a great idea. You just may have to be more active in your initial start before you've built a, a bit of a network yourself. Yeah, I think it's echo all of that. Being really certain of what even junior engineers as they graduate from college, what is your brand? What is it that you stand for? Because that's really what you're bringing out and being like, hey, I want you to come to me for what? And so what is that? What is that that makes you different? that people are going to be attracted to, that are going to be like, hey, I'm curious about you. I wonder, I want to learn from you. I found a lot of, oddly enough, I've actually hired a lot from like tech Twitter is one area, colleges where I go and speak to incoming students or outgoing students that have graduated. There's lots of ways. It's really just finding where people are that are interested in the same things you're interested in and want to represent. I love that because it forces you to ask what is it that I want to put out and attract to me? And then what is the health? How is my network actually fulfilling that? Mm -hmm. And I think in both cases, you can work on your messaging and what you want. And secondly, you look at some of these tips we just discussed around how to actually nurture your network to health or to being a generative force in your life. So good stuff. Are we getting invites to Aaron's Slack today, guys? Is it is it happening? I don't know. I don't think we've earned it yet. <laughs> it's going to take a little while. I mean, it's a very, very distinctive group. There's lots Sounds of like memes. It. Sounds like <laughs> it. Lots of gifts. Well, lots of thank making fun of me. <laughs> well, we'd have to be around you more to know how to do that better. So it sounds like we have some work to do. 
Thank you so much, all three of you, for joining and being a part of the conversation and being part of the community because you all add something both to the podcast and to our, our current folks that are on our maybe just as good Slack channel, but not as meme heavy of, as Aaron's. I'll try to up uh, up my meme contribution to okay. our forums. So. There we go. There we go. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks, all. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, Wayne.